Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I have little choice but to talk about The Dark Knight and his nethers after the release of Batman Damned Number 1 and the reaction to it from retailers, online, and even DC themselves. But we do also talk about the shooting of Nightwing, the role of the new Teen Titans at DC, Thanos wins by Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw, the new Captain Marvel trailer, the creative inspiration behind Smokey and the Bandit, and much, much more in this two-hour episode. Comments are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Please send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan! Hello! Happy Dick Week. <laughs> I know, right? I, here's the thing. Um, like, I read Batman Damned mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I can, honestly can't remember if I told you this, like, when we weren't recording the Baxter Building or not. But another comic journalist sent me a message last week before I had read Batman Damned mm-hmm. before the, the previews had gone out and said is it true that Batman's dick's in a comic this week? and I was like what? there's like no there's, there's no fucking way right and he, and he went it's, it's supposed to be in the first issue of the Black Label book and I was like no no especially because at San Diego they gave out unlettered previews of the first issue. Mm-hmm. Right? But the mm-hmm. full artwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the dick's not in those previews. Wow. Right? They've got the panel, but it's essentially like photoshopped out. Mm-hmm. Right? The same way that the, the, the now centered versions are. Which, we'll get to that, but... We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um... So I was like, no, like I'm like I, honestly, I've looked through the preview. I'm sure I would have seen it, basically. Right. I like I keep hearing that Batman sticks in it, and then what happens is on Friday, DC send out PDFs of the following week's books mm-hmm. to reviewers, and so that came out, and I was like, I'm just going to go and look, and sure enough, there it was, <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck, right, like shit, and also this is going to be a thing. Right, there right. is no way this is not going to be a thing. Like they, you know, everyone in DC must be prepared for this to be a thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm basically like preparing for like Dick Gate to yes. become a right. And then the Trump thing happened. Yeah, yeah. and I honestly was like, what? Yeah. What are the odds? I mean, because the thumbstick yeah. thing was the Tuesday. Yeah. And I was like, what are the odds that, like, social media is going to be overrun by stories about someone's dick, and it's someone else's dick mm-hmm. for two days in a row? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's extraordinary in a way that is such a, uh, it's so fucked up that DC managed to, like, catch the zeitgeist, like, so weirdly precisely like that's crazy that there were two stories this week tying for lack of a better term cartoon characters to penises 
uh, and just in, in a way that you would never, you know, no, no, no psychic for the National Enquirer ever saw this one come in, you know? But, so. But honestly, like, what are the odds? No, it, it all right. serious, like. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, we, you make the joke about, you know, no psychic from the National Enquirer, but in what world? In what world were, could that have happened day after day? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And especially, and, and here's the thing. Bat Dick was a two day story. Mm-hmm. 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 Because, you know, day one was, it's, it's, Bruce Wayne's chunk in a comic. Like, it, it legitimately is. The thing, right? yeah. Yeah, no, it totally I, I, is. And you're like, right. and you're like, uh, that's a choice. Right. You know? Yeah. And then day two was essentially, I guess it wasn't a choice, because DC have immediately decided that they're going to... <sighs> the, this like, is, this is what bugs the shit that, out of me. That's, but that's what turned it into a story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Day one was honestly that's a choice. Yeah. But as soon as DC were like, well, well, we've pulled it. We've pulled it for the digital version, and we're going to pull it for all future reprints. You're like, oh, you like you didn't have anyone's back. That wasn't a choice. Oh, it was a choice, Graham. Come on. Well, uh, okay, no, not. I mean, it's, I'm, a it's a different choice. I guess is what I'm saying. I like pr- not. It's not an artistic freedom. You can do what you want. Choice. Oh it, no. Uh, it's a. Uh, uh, like Azarello and and Bermejo did it. The editors were like, "Ah, oh, fine, what, whatever the hell." And then the company the next day was like, "Well, people got upset about the dick, so we'll just take the dick out." I don't think so. No, I think this. I this is going to sound this is going to sound stupid, but let's put it this way: if this if you flip the switch and, and this was like Marvel. I think, and someone told you, like, you know, Marvel decided that they were going to get the press, A, by having the dick, B, because it's, like, their first attempt at a new imprint that they want taken seriously, they have to, A, have something that shows, like, that they're not fucking around with it, and B, and this is the part that I think is crazy. But that's what I'm saying, like, B undermines that then. No, no, no. Because... The next day, they're like, well, we are fucking around because we've immediately backed down. See, but this is the part that uh, – this is the part that that bothers me because B was bullshit in the first place. C is one of these situations where they now have created a high in-demand collectible for this fucking thing. Sure, that's true. And that yes. I do not think is in any way – uh, accidental or coincidence. Now, it may have been a, oh, if people make a big fuss out of it, then we'll do this and create this thing. But the cynical part of me is, is like, I think they wanted to have something where it's like they could make it seem like they were being super responsive to the retailers and pushing the sales for this. And then we'll see what else goes on. Because, again, sort of there's a little bit of the... Once you've seen Batman's dick, you know, even if they withdraw that, I mean, that is, which is, again, just so funny. You know, it's hard not to, even if they withdraw and pull out Batman's dick, you know, (laughs) there's, there's just that, that gives them so much more latitude 
going forward. And even to the point where if they do, you know, bend things around. I think, I mean, I'm, what I find interesting is, is that I had no interest in Batman Damned because I just do not have any interest in Brian Hazarello. Yeah, I exactly. really don't. Yeah. But it was really funny. And so when I heard all these stories about, uh, Batman's dick, I'm like, uh, well, of course, you know, whatever, fine. You know, I wasn't like, A, I'm going to go out and get this book now. Exactly. You I know. have to run out and pick up, like, Dantic. Well, I have to say, though, Graham, yes, that, that there is a, after, after our fierce debates over Tom King's Batman and you being like, you, Jeff, you just have more feels about Batman than other people because you're weird and obsessive about Batman. And I'm like, no, Graham, and we argued around I, I, and around. I'm, I'm glad that you definitely got to the undercurrent of what I was saying. Yes, well, you know, it's important to summarize. Uh, I was like, oh, God, I... Can I really call myself a true Batman fan if I don't have <laughs> the only no, in no, official no. appearance of Little Wayne? You know what I mean? Like that's you didn't know you didn't buy it, did you? You didn't buy it just because of the bad dick, did you? Well, no. This is the thing because they immediately announced that they were they were going to edit the digital, or I'm aware they can set push an update and no, and no, the, the digital, digital was like edited from from jump from Jump Street, right? So yeah, there was so basically, no digital. I'm I may well end up buying it for the dick. Yeah, I might. I might go down to Comics yeah, Experience I'll, yeah, tomorrow. I'll I'll give you my comp copy. No, 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 no really, no, 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 no. I want you to be able to treasure it, savor it. There's going to be long, lonely nights where you're going to be like, I, I almost. <sighs> I almost tweeted out this week, honestly, like, as a joke, before I realized that people would completely, A, not think it was a joke, or B, like, jump down my throat, um, that DC had sent me a crate of damned issue one, <laughs> with, with a note saying, just flip them on eBay and we won't say anything about it. <laughs> um, You're right, no one would think that that was a joke. People would be like, why, why are DC sending you things? And I'd be like, for the love of fucking God. Um... The like I I will give you my copy in all seriousness. It's fine, Graham. It's totally fine. My God, I I like I I am weirdly upset at the idea of you spending money just because of the the Batman dick. No, I agree. I agree. Although part of me is kind of like think about it. It's pretty remarkable. Like if you think about all of the major quote unquote recognizable worldwide icons. Oh no! It's it's, it's none kind of, of them had their dick out. You've never had, you know, genuinely an uh, uh, officially sanctioned penis is not I, something that comes I, along very often. I will let you know that at one of the many outlets I write for, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was I was like on the first day I was like this isn't really a story, mm-hmm. right? It's literally just Batman's sake. There's no, not a story. Exactly. Like the second day turned it into a story for me. It genuinely did. Right. The first day, it wasn't. It was like it's Batman's sick. This is weird, and it's a thing, right? Because it's like he's fucking an eighty-year-old character, one of the most recognizable characters in pop culture. Yeah, I'm seeing his dick, but it's not a story, right? Um, and so I'm having this like this conversation in my brain, and uh, the ed an editor got in contact with me and was like, "Is this a story?" Right. And I was like, it's not really. Like, there are ways to turn it into a story. Right. But but it's not a story in and of itself. 
And then someone else from the same outlet gets in contact with the editor while I'm having this conversation with the editor. Mm-hmm. And their message was literally just, please tell me we're not going to write anything about Bam and Stick. <laughs> because, like, it was that weird thing. Do you know what I mean? Where it really was, like, like everyone recognized it as some sort of strange, fucked-up watershed moment. Yes. But at the same time, like, what was it? And and I totally see where you're coming from with the cynicism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that DC did not expect it to be what it was. Oh, man. I don't know. Well, okay. On the one hand, the, so... Uh, there was, I think the other point where it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I will buy a copy of Bat Dick, is the fact that some retailer, you know, was, wrote that letter to Dan DiDio that I think sh- popped up on Bleeding Cool or whatever, where he was like, hey, I know that this said mature readers, but I'm really f- annoyed that this wasn't sent shrink wrapped. And I, I kind of had this moment of like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of a good way of, of, in fact, no, I'll get to this in a second. Keep going. Oh, so, I mean, on the one hand, I sort of know what he means in that I've been following comics long enough to know about how retailers get busted and, and parts of the South where it's taken very seriously. On yeah. the other hand, there is, part of me and there and and there was the other part of me that was like really it's not like i'm like my copy of grant morrison and frank quietly's or two was shrink wrapped and there wasn't a goddamn dick in it at all you know what i mean like i'm like <laughs> that seems kind of strange like was there some some liberal cock in earth two that i didn't see but i i really found myself thinking like this was labeled for mature readers and it's a batman book and his whole idea of like oh i never would have what if someone I'm like there is something to me that I just found so repugnant over the idea that A it says mature readers and B basically what this guy is saying is whatever else that would have been in it apart from someone's genitals would have been okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he yeah. ordered it and it wasn't like a case of oh I knew it was mature readers, but I just thought, you know, it's it's Brian Azzarello that it was just going to be some children getting chainsawed or something. Exactly. I just thought it was going to be violent. Yeah. And I, I thought that maybe someone would say fuck a lot. Exactly. And I mean, yeah. as, as cynical as, uh, as Batman meat is, there's a way in which I'm like looking at the, the pages in, in bleeding cool is I'm like, it's kind of just a cock. Like, it's, oh, and also, it like, can't it's be, not, but it kind of yeah. is, you know? No, but it is, yeah, right? Right. And also, like, there's nothing sensational about, sensationalistic, I should say, mm-hmm. about the the sequence. Mm-hmm. It's literally Batman stripping off his costume. Yeah. And, like, there's just one frame where he's walking towards the, the reader, mm-hmm. and it's just framed in such a way that he sees cock. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's yeah. the extent of it. Yeah. Um, it's really matter of fact. Here's the thing that I I thought of when all, basically when DC censored it. Mm-hmm. I thought, what's going to happen when Dr. Manhattan actually shows up in Dipstick Lock? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as 
I'm sure every article that wrote about Batman's dick pointed out it's not the first time we've seen a superhero with his dick out mm-hmm. because Doctor Manhattan exists and Watchmen exists and Watchmen wasn't censured and crapped. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and Doctor Manhattan is in a comic that is coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's a comic with Batman and Superman in it. Yep. And it's a comic that, unless I'm wrong, it's not labeled for mature readers. Yes. Which is why I'm pretty sure we will not see Dr. Manhattan. First off, let's see. Oh, well, what, you know, can I, can I something Yes, you? please. You've seen it. The next issue of Doomsday Clock mm-hmm. does feature a Dr. Manhattan appearance. Mm-hmm. And, Graham, can you spoil the... I Do, do you want me to? Well, for crying out loud, Graham, sure. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sort you of like... See, you see Dick. Wow. Well, there you go. Which is the other thing that is hilarious to me, that DC is also two weeks in a row going to have like a high-profile comic with oh, a dick man, in it. Oh, man, two weeks in a row. You can't have dick without DC, you know. <laughs> get that. Get the marketing team no, on that one, Graham. Well, Just it, leak it, it to them. In all seriousness, you know that like, Rich Johnson is going to be like, DC stands for dick comics. Yes, exactly. You know... I, it, well, again, there's part of me that's like, that's actually, a, that's actually a really good point. Part of me is like, I, I just have that thing of, there's a little bit of the, I'm way more disappointed at DC for immediately backing down on it. Yes. And so that, that quickly. That really upsets me. That I think that, that, that it was pulls. so immediate. Yeah. To just be like, yep, Ned's day. Like, in fact, first day, it's not in the digital edition. Yep. Next day, we've taken it out of all future printings. Yeah, and that's because shit. and that's the thing that that's the thing that a suggests, or well, one of the things that suggests that they were not prepared for this, and it isn't as cynical as you think it is. Well, whereas and, for and, me, it's like okay, it's we're like, waiting like, for. Well, it. for you, it's it's yeah. literally like the thing that proves it's cynical. Yeah. But it's also it's also the thing that just makes me like honestly, it's like you fucked it up. Like you fucked up all of it mm-hmm. because this is also the first original thing from your new yeah. mature superhero line yeah. and you've backed down on day two. Yeah, yeah. Like imagining anyone else working on a black label comic. Right. No. It's like you could do whatever you want as long as you don't show dick. Right. Or something else. Like it's all well, fine exactly. until it's, it's not. One those, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, okay, so now – like we've gone from do whatever you want to do whatever you want, but there's a line. And mm-hmm. as soon as you said there's a line, right? The question becomes, well, what's the next line? Yep. Where do, where does the line move? Yeah. And it's 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 it really is to my mind a real problem that it undercuts Black Label immediately. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I it it does it 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 does undercut it. It really makes me feel like yeah, there's it. it kind of signals like don't worry we have no commitment to this line and i'm like that dude that is not what you want to put forward like you really want I, to I, say like mature readers means mature readers yeah, like yeah we, like you, you want to say we're gonna stand behind this like we get it we get why it's a big deal like we we even get the sniggering like we get all your your sure. little wayne jokes we get all your battle wine jokes mm-hmm. but at the same time it's not a sensationalistic scene yeah. Like if it's a it's a mature readers comic, it's marked as a mature readers comic. If you guys honestly can't handle the fact that Batman's got a dick, we're sorry. Well, see, and that's it. That, it really that, is the that extent of it. It's like it really is literally nothing more than that. Because I mean, yeah. it's not but, everything but instead, else. Immediately backing down and going, we've taken out all future things. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, like because it's not really the point of the scene. 
you can do exactly what they did, which is like darken this it down, yep. Yep. and it doesn't actually change anything. No, it doesn't. But apart time, from it does, yeah, like it really does. Yeah, the message that it's sending in the marketplace, the 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 speculator the dog that whistle sending, that's being blown. The message that it's sending to the creators. Yeah, the message that it's sending. Yeah. to the audience about how seriously the mature readers line is going to be taken. Yeah. Um it's it's just like it's a it's a disastrous launch for Black Label because of that. I am fascinated by the idea that between this and uh forgive me, the guy who was going to be writing Nightwing getting Oh Ben Ben Percy. Yeah, being super super dumped. Uh those are those are those are a little bit of the old DC warning signs. You know what I mean? I, you forgot the one from the beginning of the summer. Uh, which one was that? Justice League Odyssey just getting shifted back three months. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, and like and, yeah. none of these are good signs. Yeah. No, they're they're you they're know? not good signs. And, and there's you know there's there's all manner of good signs you can still point to at DC. Sure. Like the Martian Manhunter thing, great. Mm-hmm. Like Black Label's existence in general, or DC Zoom and DC sure. Inc. Great. Yeah. But there are there are legit warning signs. Yeah, there really are. And and what's again is rough is for whether justified or not, they tend to flash to me as Dan DiDio warning signs, which is also not a great sign, you know. So, uh, okay. uh, and that could be totally wrong, but I just, I remember that stage of, I, I think I've said this before in the mm-hmm. podcast. I think the deal gets a bad rap and gets blamed for lots of things that are 100% not him. That's true. Um, Bob Harris is very willing. Yeah. It's very willing to essentially just take it. Yeah. Cause I think he sees it as part of the job. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. I, I, I would say, I, I, I have no insider knowledge mm-hmm. of what happened with Black Label at all. Right. That could 100% be down to deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't I, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it isn't. For me, it's kind of when uh, when creative talent starts feeling like sort of their disposable slash there's too many hands in the well, wh- mix. Well, what I was going to say is mm-hmm. I've heard from – at this point, I'm willing to say multiple sources mm-hmm. that what happened with Nightwing was 100% not the deal level. Mm. Like it okay. didn't even get to him. Good. Okay. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, Just like Odyssey. I have no idea what happened. Just like Odyssey. Right. <laughs> like I really don't. That's the one where no one is actually talking about yeah. what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think Stepchick did very, very briefly, right? Did he? Yeah, on his Twitter, but it, he didn't. It wasn't in any sort of names, n- naming names. Senses. Oh yeah, no, yeah. That I guess that's what I was meaning. Yeah, like I, I've I've heard people um, name names about what happened with Nightwing, mm-hmm. and and it was not to deal. Oh, well, that's good to know. I mean, because part of me is very much, I don't know. I just I feel like I think what I kind of wanted was. But I feel like we had gotten the indication that had gotten is is that DC Rebirth that the apology tour really had multiple levels to the apology, I guess. Yeah. And one of them and, really and it, was. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked for like two years. Yeah. Where where you didn't have essentially like the new fifty two ism. Yeah. 
you know, where it really was like issue whatever, issue three, and now we've got a new writer and artist, and you're like, three? Yeah. But I mean, like even before we get to Justice League Odyssey, I mean, think about how just terribly the new Age of Heroes books were launched. Mm-hmm. Like Jim Lee was off of Mortal Men by issue two. Oh yeah, and this was for their artist-led line. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know. Well, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, maybe I'm overly cynical, but I'm like, Jim Lee is. Oh yeah, I guess what I guess what I'm saying is like Jim Lee was only just one. Yeah. Like, look at any of those books, and I honestly think that only one of them, and we're not even a year into this line, yes. only one of them still has the original artist. Right. Yeah, that does that is true. Again, like for artist led line theoretically. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's you know, true. Like, like Tony Daniel was off uh damage within like issue definitely within issue six, but I want to say like maybe even by issue four. Yeah, and when was Romita Jr. off silencer? Again, I definitely by issue six. Yeah. Um let's see, silencer issue. Maybe he made five. it through the first arc. Uh did he? We'll see. Nope, he was off by issue five, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, he's off. He's, he did the first three issues. Yeah, see. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, so you, you look, and that, and that really was, especially for the way that New Age of Heroes was promoted. Yeah. yeah. Which it really was like, you know, artists first. Like, and still to this day, artists get credited in the book first. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have your big name artists, because it did launch with big name artists. Mm hmm. Like, are all off their books yep. by six months in. Yep. And like, in many cases, long before six months in. Yeah. Is, was like 100% New 52 all over again. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so then you see something like Justice League Odyssey and you're like, you know, what happened? Yeah. Like, uh, how, how, like, what happened? How does that happen? Why does a book that was heavily hyped mm-hmm. get knocked back three months? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm like getting knocked back three months a month before release. Yeah, you right. know, like that's 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 you know, there's no good reason for that happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then you see the, like Nightwing thing, and you're it is just a lot of like, oh yeah, oh like something's up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I, I, I. I I agree. I, there, there's 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 warning signs going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious. I'm curious about a couple of things. One, I'm curious what's going to happen. Like, are these hiccups, or right. is this like a, this the a sign of things to come? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. I uh, think number two, I'm curious about, and we're, we're pivoting to a different subject with this. Mm-hmm. If Chelsea Kane's vision hadn't been cancelled, do you think the Nightwing thing would have been bigger news? That's really a good question. I I don't know. I think my gut instinct is to say not really. Um, really? Yeah, and I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm. I feel that, and this might just be me. I'm surprised that the Nightwing thing did not have more pushback from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because the majority of pushback I saw was people going, fuck no Scott Lobdell. Right. And not, what happened that Ben Percy is off a book when f- three issues, like, I'm not writing three issues of the book that have been solicited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even beyond who's replacing him. Yeah. It's surprising that no one was like, 
what happened? Because again, something happened. Like that's not a a, a good sign. Right. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that like uh, DC is evil happened. Do you know what I mean? Like something no, 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 happened. no, no, exactly. There's, Right. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's all, but clearly something happened. You right. do not listen three issues of a book and then go, he's not writing them and someone else is writing them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Especially again, a month before release. Yep. You yep. know? Um, but I didn't see people say that. I saw people say, how dare you replace him with Scott Lobdell? Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. I was like, why are people not upset that he's replaced at all? But then, like, the vision gets cancelled and, there was such a, a, a vehement response to that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, for I think a number of reasons, not least of which Chelsea is happily like burning bridges at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, never underestimate the value of a creator coming out and saying, they told me to keep this clean and quiet. Fuck yep. that. Yep. Like that alone mm-hmm. is a thing. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I honestly can't shift the. If that hadn't happened, would more people have paid attention to that one? Well, it could be. So part of the reason why I jumped to Dan DiDio is I've always gotten the sense, and maybe it's right or wrong. It could out be elsewhere, but I always have gotten the for several years now. There's a little bit of the impression that Dan DiDio just does not like Dick Grayson, you know? Now, admittedly... That, that it's, rumor has been around for fucking ever. Well, exactly. I, I, the first, the yeah. first time I heard it, at least, was Infinite Crisis. Exactly. Remember? Because, like, mm-hmm. he, he, like, he almost died? Or there yes. was a rumor that he was going to die? There and was the rumor he was like going that. to die, and then they undid it. And then there was going to be the rumor... And, and then, again, this idea of, oh, are they going to kill him for... Um, Forever evil uh, or whatever. Forever evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and now we're getting oh, he's shot in the head, and he's good. The the we're gonna do, go with this whole other pathway. There's kind of this level of it feel, and who knows? Again, maybe it's just all blood and circuses, bread and circuses, and people are playing. In, they're playing to the crowd, but there's a little bit of the idea of like, wow, they really. There's something that they, you know, someone, and it, it like, is kind of like easy to Dick go with Chris Dan really does get the shit kicked out of him yeah, a lot. a lot. In a way that doesn't really make sense unless, it, it doesn't just seem well, to, it he, doesn't he, make sense, it, you know? And I think that's really the thing. Though? Yes. Okay. Well, because. Well, no, the reason I say that is like, um, I feel that, because I keep going back to, weirdly enough, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Because I think Daredevil gets the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's become this weird thing where like people expect it of Daredevil because Frank Miller did it. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder how much of the the like shit getting kicked out of Dick Grayson comes from the fact that he is an acrobatic urban hero. Mm. I don't think so. And, and I mean, you could like, be right, but but also I think part of it comes from like honestly like the the gimmick of well you can't do the shit to Batman but you can't do it to Robin. Maybe. Maybe I, you know what I think that it is. I mean, my my personal take on it is because, again, just following it second, third, fourth hand, most of what people seem when I see talking on the internet about what people like about Dick Grayson and about Nightwing is not what they is not what DC thinks. It's not what they lean into. That's not what they lean into at all. 
it's very much the thing that they talk about with Nightwing is is that Dick Grayson is well adjusted. He's happy. He is a like he's like a stud muffin basically. Like his sexual his his attractiveness. He is a he is a bat character that female readers and gay readers respond to and they respond to his positivity and I feel like DC either A being so entrenched with old straight white fanboys who basically remember anguished Marv Wolfman Robin from the new Teen Titans maybe Mm -hmm. or I think just generally are like they're like this is that they don't see a way to make that character work I think there's there's a case to be made that it's really hard for positive heroes to sort of be made to work kind of like people just don't necessarily seem to get it you know as they you're, like you're in the way killing me yes sir <laughs> <You're killing me. laughs> that is so funny why because you're sitting on a bombshell again that you just can't because there's something because or? there's something i genuinely can't say mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. response to this yeah <laughs> and it's killing me yeah. Yeah. Because it's so plugged into what you're saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> it is. I will tell you when we're not recording and whatnot. I'm really sorry, but this is genuinely 100% sworn to secrecy stuff. Right. right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like really, I'm like Jeff. Fuck you. <laughs> um, while we're talking about sworn to secrecy, yeah. I I read Heroes in Crisis issue one. Oh yeah. That's right. Uh, got the and I'm reviews. not going to like, I'm not going to like properly review it because it's not mm-hmm. out until like a few days after this comes out, and I don't yep. want to spoil it. And also, for that matter, I don't want to break embargo. Mm-hmm. But um, you talking about like the shit they do to Nightwing? Mm-hmm. They do like recurringly, like you know, they they like Dick Grayson really does get periodically and really like you know it seems like every five years or so, mm-hmm. like. He'll do something really shitty to the character. Yeah. And then he'll recover, and then five years later, he'll do something really shitty to the character. And it's a genuinely odd uh, pattern. Yeah. Like, it's a legitimately odd pattern. Because uh, uh, Infinite Crisis was what? 2006? Mm hmm. And then, I guess it wasn't uh, five years. because Right. It might be more every, like four years, for, right? No, yeah. it's four. Because Forever Evil was 2013. Right. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So that's seven mm-hmm. years. Right. And then five years to 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 um to now, and I I suddenly strikes me that we should say this for people who are not reading Batman, uh, Tom King's Batman mm-hmm. in the Batman Fifty Five is what we're talking about. Batman Fifty Five, uh, which just came out this week, um, is a uh, Nightwing Batman team up, mm-hmm. and noticeably, King plays Bat- uh, Nightwing a lot brighter mm-hmm. and a lot funnier and a lot more like a comedic character than he has been played in his own book yeah um he really does like he he make he makes a point of on, almost making him seem goofy mm-hmm. um like he's making the puns he's giving batman like a hard time for not getting into the puns he's challenging him to like you know let's leap off a building and see who falls faster you know things like that but it leads up to the 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 climax of the issue, which is out of nowhere, 
Nightwing gets shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes nowhere within the issue. Like it's maybe two pages before the end, mm-hmm. and that is the clip. Yeah. Um, and the I don't know what's coming next in Batman, mm-hmm. but the solicits for Nightwing were pretty much like starting in issue fifty and really in issue fifty one. We're picking up the fact that this thing happened in fifty five in Batman fifty five. Yeah. So it suggests that basically he gets shot in in Batman, right? And you don't get that follow through in mm-hmm. Batman. You mm-hmm. get the in the Nightwing book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just want to say, like, for people who are not reading things, because we're just like they're doing this terrible thing to Nightwing, and we're not saying what it is. Right. He gets shot in the head. Is the, right. is the sharp part? Well, and the uh, weird part was, I of course heard about him getting shot in the head. Did not realize it was going to be happening in the Bat Book, so it kind of had well, a certain right, yeah. Why? Why would you? Mm-hmm. Especially because when everything blew up about Percy leaving Nightwing, mm-hmm. it was all about Nightwing. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, this plot is happening in Nightwing. And didn't, it wasn't that, like, you know, unless you're reading this list, which explicitly said something happens in Batman 55. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just reading the news reports, they, it didn't play up like there's this thing happening in Batman. Yeah. It was something terrible is happening to Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And in Nightwing books, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Right? And so why would you expect, uh, and especially if you read the issue as well, yeah. because... He gets shot. I mean, he really does out of nowhere get shot in the head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's fairly, um, it's simultaneously graphic and not graphic. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see anything, mm-hmm. but the shot in the head is a full page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's 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 shocking. It, yeah. it genuinely is shocking. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It, it's um. Yeah, I just wanted to say what it was, basically. But what I was going to, uh, getting onto Heroes in Crisis, which is what I was going to say is, you, you mentioned, um, Wolfman's Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And something that Heroes in Crisis underscores or brings back or, or, um, reminds me of is that that middle generation of DC Hero. Mm. Which is a, the New Teen Titans yes. era mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are more often than not the ones that you can hurt, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's like, actually I, a good point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say like they're cannon fodder because you know Nightwing's still around. Well, you know what I mean, no, but he always is. Like he always survives. No, he does. He does always survive, and he probably like, always well, will. But get rid of Wally and then you bring Wally back in Rebirth right. but you bring him back as this like you know especially after Flash War like this traumatized character right you know uh, Donna Troy when they finally brought Donna Troy back as well right. she is this like I mean traumatized is not really right but she comes back in this uh, lesser way I, I think you know? it's relatively safe to say although I, I don't really follow the books close enough but when they at least first brought back Donna Troy, you know, pre-52, as I recall, uh, pre-New 52, I'm like, wow, they broke that character. And kind of a little bit of the indications of when they brought Wally West back in Rebirth, I'm sort of like, they kind of broke that character. Like, you know, and I don't know. I mean, of course, now we're, we're, Christ only knows. I mean, I know that I've heard some of... I don't know if we really want to spoil Heroes in Crisis. See, here's the thing. I really don't. Yeah. And I don't want to... Because the other thing is this. There is a very, 
very specific rumor about Heroes in Crisis issue one mm-hmm. floating around that has been floating around for a few months. That is 100% wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately 100% wrong. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, like, it's, it's entirely unrelated to what happens in the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a version of, there, there's a rumor going around that's like, this is the inciting incident in Heroes in Crisis. Right. That is not true. Mm-hmm. Like not even a misreading of what happens. Yeah, it's literally unrelated to to anything. Like someone clearly just made shit up, mm-hmm. and then it went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, and I you know I think like having said like that, I can't. I feel like I can't even talk about what the rumor is because mm-hmm. that in itself spells something. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but. But there is this thing about, like, the new teen side. Like, there, there's there's the characters that ultimately will always be okay. Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman, Aquaman, uh, Green Lantern, really. Uh, you know, Flash. Like, that uh, age group of superheroes, mm-hmm. okay? There's always the newer heroes, you know, and that that shifts depending on the on the the era you're reading. Right. But there's always like a new generation of heroes, and then there's this middle ground of like New Teen Titans or Kyle Rayner mm-hmm. or or you know that that generation of character, and they always seem to be the ones that the writers are like, well, fuck it, we'll do something to them mm-hmm. because they're not the iconic ones, but they're iconic enough. Like you know. Fans have grown up reading these characters, so you know when we shoot them in the head, or you know, right. give them a nervous breakdown, or whatever, like take away their family, right? Which, which hilariously has now happened to Donna and Wally, which is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the fans will feel it, like they'll really, they'll feel it as a gut punch. Well, I, and it's, there's something about that that's just weirdly. Uh, is cynical the right word? I don't know. Well, I, I think it's I, it's not cynical per se. I think that DC ha- – I think, honestly, DC had the right idea in the 90s, and they kind of fucked it up. You know, I think that it probably would have. You mean the the legacy idea that you basically yeah. let characters like grow up? Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. I think when you look at something like Morrison's JLA, mm-hmm. when you still have a Flash and a Green Lantern, but it's different. Flash and Green Lantern. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is, is that Nightwing is, is, did become Nightwing. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, he got to grow up. Yeah, he did get to grow up, and it didn't have to be a situation of, uh, you know, it's Batman and, you know, essentially Batman Jr. I like, Dick sort of taking on the mantle of Batman to me worked when Morrison did it and then set up, you know, Damien as Robin. And I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, just moving in those steps. If you don't do it and you essentially have a situation where you've got like a couple of flashes hanging around, like 
it can be a little hard to be like, oh, this is the Flash that you should be paying attention to. You know what I mean? Like, they just feel a little well, extraneous. I, you know? I mean, the, the problem with, you know, Rebirth-era Flash, and mm-hmm. I love Rebirth-era Flash as a book. I genuinely do. I think Josh Williamson is doing a really great job. Mm-hmm. And has done a really good job for an extended period. And in a way that, like, you know, everyone's like, Tom King's Batman. People don't really talk about Flash anymore, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that is there was a point where you literally had two people called Flash – and two people called Wally West, mm-hmm. you know, and it just really emphasized how unnecessary the Wally West Flash was. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's a problem because you bring him back because I think definitely in Jeff John's eyes and honestly, I think in Williamson's as well, like you needed Wally, mm-hmm. like the lack of Wally felt like uh, a failure of the Flash uh, legacy or a failure of the Flash idea, which is inherently optimistic, and then when you you wipe a character out like that, I don't know. They're, they're it's interesting you believe. It's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like I I haven't been following um, Williamson, but I felt that John's bringing back Wally was uh like so much else in that issue of Rebirth, a really super smart version of shorthand and a genius like string to dangle all of his pearls on you know what i mean oh no well i i i agree in with both of those yeah but i don't but necessarily I know if, yeah I, I i think weirdly enough i think you could have done that and actually written them out at the end of the book maybe maybe and i think that when you decide to keep them in you're keeping them in for more than just that yeah uh, especially because you you actually set up all manner of narrative problems by keeping him around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, especially by bringing him back the way you brought him back in Rebirth. Because, according to Rebirth, he remembered everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then Abner in, in the Titans book had to pretty immediately go, no, he doesn't really. Yeah. Because otherwise, you would have this character who literally would be going around being like, I was married and had kids. Mm-hmm. And... All of this was different. Mm-hmm. And so, like, something's gone hideously wrong. Right. You know? And you can't, because John's is, like, years away from fucking doing Doomsday Clock. Right. You know? So what? So either you you do what Abner did, which is essentially, he knows things are different, but he doesn't really remember the way things were. Mm-hmm. Or you have Wally being utterly ineffectual. <laughs> Right. For two years. Mm-hmm. You know, running around being like, hey, you guys, and no one listens to him, which in turn makes all the other heroes look like dicks. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So I, th- I think he gets kept in for, I think he gets kept in honestly, and it, and a lot of this for me comes from the way that Williamson treated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Wally is simultaneously like a stand-in for what was lost, mm-hmm. but also an important part of the Flash I keep saying legacy and I don't really mean that I mean like the metatextual legacy mm-hmm. like Wally's an important era of the Flash as a comic book yeah and just removing him presents a problem when the Flash is meant to be like the good guy who solves things right and and if you just allow I mean Wally was there for what 30 years if yeah. you just allow 30 years to be right, like written out entirely 
there there is a void. You know? <sighs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's defeating the idea. No, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I think this is that sort of problem of DC will move these things forward and then they will step them back. And I feel like that was... Yeah, I think the stepping back is a real problem. But what's really interesting to me, just in general with DC, is, you know, Morrison's got this whole thing about, like, DC is is Mm self-aware or sentient. Mm -hmm. And A, no, it's not. (laughs) But B... He's also kind of right mm-hmm. because you get DC as a company mm-hmm. going, we're starting over, mm-hmm. like we're, we're jettisoning all that, both with Crisis and then with Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, elements of what came before just end up coming back in right. and coming back in in such a way that it's like it's a mess in terms of continuity, unless you do what Rebirth did, which is essentially... Just don't worry about it. Right. Like, like, there's no way to be a strict continuity nerd with DC mm-hmm. right now. There's just not. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that utterly contradict each other. Mm-hmm. Utterly, like, one million percent. Mm-hmm. And Rebirth's success, I think, came from essentially going, it's fine. Like, you know... And, and Metal in particular and, and Snyder's Justice League lean into this a lot, which is, yeah, it's essentially like post-crisis continuity again. And I know that's contradictory with what's gone on before, but just don't think about it. See, and this like, is... Like, Band are like completely contradictory to New 52 or mm-hmm. DCU for the future. Right. Um, and they're just like, it's like, we're not even going to like address the problem. I don't... We're just forwards you know it's interesting i see your point i really actually disagree like it sounds silly but i i really do think like i think what happens is there's a bit of a shell game going on which is i feel like john's whole thing and in part bringing back wally the various levels of like no this isn't right like kind of pulling this sort of like the new 52s this gnostic universe and what the hell happened has this sort of larger idea of like oh there is a there's a larger story there's a larger reason there's an incontinuity oh, yeah, reason yeah, yeah, for this yes yeah and, and ultimately there is like mm-hmm. if they want to get there they can get there by saying dr manhattan fucked everything up right and uh, and, and yes. i think that's definitely john's take yes well right john's is very much like the i think that he's aware that if you get clever enough you can come up with a story that you know quote unquote explains it and then you've got enough leeway to not necessarily sweat the small stuff you know yeah and and and, but we're not there yet i guess is what i'm saying yes no, 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 and no. And no. still have like the self, this weird self-correcting thing, mm-hmm. where which is really, I mean, honestly, what has always been the case, which is creators bring in what they remember from when they were reading. Like right. Scott Snyder's Justice League has the 1980s Starman in it now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I say this as someone who loved the 1980s Starman and is probably like generation generationally close to Snyder. Mm-hmm. Like, great, but at the same time, a James Robinson 
pretty much wrote that character out of existence. Right. And B, even if he hadn't, none of that shit happened in the New 52 anyway. Yeah. Right? I... I kind of I see I see your point but and it and it yes and I think that's sort of it but I also sometimes want worry slash wonder how much of it is just not paying attention no 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 not that in fact the opposite I think for me is is that apart from like a character or two generating new IP for DC or Marvel is is a dead concept. People are aware you don't do it. it but it's it like, again, look at the new age of heroes. Yeah. Who knows how that deal was created? But believe me, the fact that they made it sound like it was special enough to, to, you know, for the variety of everything that they did, like, it sounds like the idea of the participation was a big part of that. But, you know, so I think for me, it's like, sure, you can create some new heroes as their own thing. But the idea of people turning around and cranking out new IP, like new, like people who are so excited to have their new hero in that they like jammed them into the corner of like Spider-Man or Captain America or the Avengers or something like that or even it's like it's a new villain it's a new supporting character like all of that has seemed to have died off and in part uh, and there there's just sort of this reoccurring game of peekaboo that's being played yeah, uh, with I, the I, two I, universes I get what you're saying yeah? It's essentially like whereas in the seventies or eighties, mm-hmm. characters would be uh, stories would be propelled by new creations. Yeah, and now stories are propelled by uh, reinventions or simply just reappearances. Yeah, reappearances, but even in a way like dramatic, like you take them off the board and then they're back. And I remember being both kind of, um, you know, creeped out and frustrated, but with sort of the way that Jeff Loeb really played with that fast and loose during his Superman run and with Batman Superman. On the other hand, I was also really aware how much it worked and how much sort of snap and pep that it could have. But I do think that there's a little, I don't know. It's just, it it is one of those things that um, we'll see where these things go with, uh, uh, you know, I think I, I keep talking. We keep talking about it very much in the context of DC, because um, I mean, you know, Marvel's its own a special brand of shit show. But at least with DC, it's uh, close enough to the surface that you can really talk about it. You know, kind of, kind of like you said. Like, I mean, because over in Marvel, I can't even believe that anyone even cares about continuity you know like it it there were years where it was blatantly being ignored which was fine but now it's just i just look at it and i'm like i don't read that many marvel titles but even with the idea that it's an event that is happening in the universe i'm like yeah this isn't happening in the same book like there's no way oh we we had we had a uh was it hawkeye Mm -hmm. where I, i was like so upset that like Matt Fraction's Hawkeye was clearly not the same yes. character as like right. the earlier Hawkeye. Right. And I was like, it, well, it, it's just like, it's just broken. Right. Um, right. And I think that's just, 
Like, that's just recurred throughout. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's impossible to me that, uh, like, Hickman's Avengers can be in continuity. Right. Yeah, that's like a kind of a perfect like example. It just, mm-hmm. Like, it just, it just can't be. Because mm-hmm. it breaks every concept, and, and purposefully so. Yeah. Like, its selling point is that it breaks the concept. Yeah, yeah, right. I, and so the idea that afterwards they're like, and then there was another team of Avengers. You're like, but how could that be true? Unless everyone was an idiot. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and you see that with... I mean, I have... Uh, I think I've said this on the podcast. I've definitely said it on Twitter. Like, Infinity Wars, the the, right. the event going on right now, mm-hmm. it's just so um, cravenly... I, I don't even want to say bad or dull, but, like, it's so obviously moving the same pieces around the same board. Right. Right. You know? And, 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 and in such, in such an uninspired way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that it's just like, who could be enjoying this comic? Mm-hmm. Like, unless you literally are just like, you know what makes me happy? Seeing a comic that has the infinity gems in it. Right. That alone makes me happy. Yeah. Or, you know, what makes me really happy is seeing a comic that has Loki in it. And he's seeming a little untrustworthy. <laughs> but he's got a heart of gold. Right. Like, you know, the very idea that just that very thing makes you happy. I don't understand how anyone can be enjoying Infinity Wars. Right. Because it's so... Like, everything in it has been done before. Yeah. And at the same time, it feels like it's in a hermetically sealed bubble. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. everything in it has been done before. But also because... Like, are you following it at all? No, of course not. I mean... Gamora has gone evil mm-hmm. and has killed Thanos and tried to kill Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. And, like, none of that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you know that by the end of it, Gamora will either not be evil anymore mm-hmm. or will have died in order to be resurrected and not be evil. Right. You know? And it's just... Uh, we talked about false jeopardy before. Mm-hmm. It's not even false jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't even rise to the level of false jeopardy. It's just like, well, who gives a shit? Right. Right. Which is which is uh, which is a valid question. And there's, I mean, I think that there's, I don't know. I mean, there. For me, ultimately, there's kind of that feeling with the big two of you can you can either. Like it, I feel like comic book universes can only go for so long, and if you don't have the situation set up in place that people can be, um, you know, what they feel is fairly compensated for, like new creations, uh, at a certain point, it's just sort of going to fall into a rut. Or alternately, I mean, it's always going. It, there, how do I put it? There's the. I think the idea of continuity of it being one story and one universe and things mattering which was kind of the little implication I suppose that you could take from from the dawning of the Marvel Universe is great but it can really can only work for so long and I mean well exactly like we're literally past 50 years Mm -hmm. since Fantastic Four 1 
Right. So we're we're past half a century of theoretically the same story. Yeah. Yeah. So and there does come a point where you're like, there's there's too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I I think so. I mean, if if comics, if one aspect of the comics industry is doing its job well and bringing in new readers, I think that's one thing. I mean, the nature of the industry has also changed in ways that I'm not really sure comics ever really wrap their brain around. Is like, it sort of makes sense you could get away with doing something like Infinity War when Infinity Gauntlet is no longer in print and most people aren't aren't going to dig through the back issues oh, sure. to yeah, like read yeah. it, but yeah. we're we're dealing in a pretty much everything's available universe now, and at that point, to me, it becomes even more of an imperative that you can't just sort of that you've got to try something new. Yeah, you can't just you can't just run another another lap, victory or otherwise. I was, I I said I said something about this on the way what Tumblr. Uh, this week, which was, I read Mark Rumel's Captain America when Cap was fired and replaced by John Walker. Mm-hmm. And I had not read Engelhart's Captain America at that point because, like, I was, whatever, 13. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that shit was super exciting to me, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Like, another guy's Captain America and Captain America's, like, going around in a different costume. Right. Like, that's fucking amazing. Right. But it works because I haven't read Engelhart's Captain America. Mm-hmm. And... I had no way to read it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. what, like if you if that if I had read that and I was like, I fucking love this. What's this Marvel Limited? I can read lots more Captain America. I would then get to Engelhart's and be like, wait, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> this is the same story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and it's just, it's exactly what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. you you can't do, um, you know. Someone's hunting for the infinity uh, gems, and they're going to do it by, you know, cutting the universe in half. But this time, they're merging them together instead of killing half the people. Right. I, you can't do it, a because Infinity Gauntlet is still in print, and it's essentially the same story. But also, it explicitly refers to Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like. What is this? Yeah. yeah. This is the weirdest thing. Yep. That you're ripping it off and also being like, but you you better have read it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It 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 like, like what is this weird incestuous shit? Yeah, and 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 it is. It's just the the continu- continuity uh, for a universe that never dies, but where you can't bring anything new in, just becomes. It's it's the story equivalent of of interbreeding. It just you know, and again, there's levels at which, at a certain point, it just doesn't the it doesn't hold up. I think you know, and that level the, might be different the, for other people. But you know, yeah, exactly, level at exactly. which that doesn't hold you, you, up. You find, but you will find your level. And yeah. the sad thing is, honestly, I think anyone who's been reading comics for an appreciable amount of time now will find that level mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because. It's there's depending on what company you read, you know, because mm-hmm. DC has has you know rebooted, you know, at least three times now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then defaults back in this way that I find fascinating. Right. But but it does. It's, it's like okay, we're starting over. Okay, great. Now now everyone's like it's time to read the origin of the Justice League again. Right. And 
that in itself is as repetitive as Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because for someone like me who loves the Justice League, I love the Justice League. Mm-hmm. I have zero desire to see another version of how the Justice League got together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't care if it's it is the meteors this time, or it's Darkseid coming to Earth, right. or it's you know, what the fuck ever. I just don't care mm-hmm. because I know they're going to end up being a team, mm-hmm. and I have very little interest in seeing the huh, you're a superhero and you're a superhero. What? Maybe we should team <laughs> up against Jaiwoo, who is too great for either of us to beat individually. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen that story so many times. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like that, you know, it, you get Marvel's problem, which is so much has happened mm-hmm. that everything's an echo. Mm-hmm. Or you get DC's problem, which is because we keep starting over, everything is literally an echo because we have to keep telling the same stories. Well, we have to keep telling the Right. There's the, we have to keep telling the stories because it's like, oh, here's how this group forms or here's, here's this guy's origin, you know, but I think there's also a little bit of that, like again, it's like Peekaboo. Once you take those characters off the table, you're like, oh man, like this is gonna have like a hell of a punch when Crypto, the super dog, pops up, you know? And it's just sort of it worked for me. The it worked for me, you know. But it's happened a few more times since. And 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 ultimately, I just have there's a little bit of. I mean, the weird part is the way in which that is. That happens with the superheroes uh, now that they've moved on to other media. Like, you know, there's a little bit of, like, watching the trailer for Captain Marvel and being like, oh, shit, there's, you know, there's Marvel. Like, there's that thing of, like, oh, the fan service of, like, once the Daredevil show pops up, when's Elektra going to pop up? What's she going to be like? Yeah. This is their Why take on they the do Punisher. Again? Yeah, yeah, you know, and all those little bits and pieces of you know TV's kind of doing the same thing, and seeing it in that next medium is kind of thrilling because oh, it might be different this time. It it makes sense because I feel there is a way in which you know there's a form of of literature or storytelling that is ritualistic. You know, when we're kids. You like to hear have the same book read to you over and over again, you know. And honestly, I don't imply that this is inherently childish because it continues all the way on to where adults pick up and read 97,000 books in the same genre, you know. And at that point, it doesn't necessarily like, oh, sure, in this uh you know, book, it's so-and-so who discovers that blah, blah is dead by a thunkety thunk, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly. So I think there's something that is the, the, the ritual of it. The, like, I'm really am. I'm like, Jesus, I think the peekaboo thing was a little bit more on the nose than I had originally thought. Like there's a little bit where the excitement for the reader is the participation of, anticipating and looking forward to the good bit, you know, but yes, yes, exactly. But, the expectation. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, right. Which, and that used to be the thing that like before, you know, Batman and Superman got by on, you know, a, a 
bunch of decades without even having to have like really issue to issue continuity, you know, just having like thematic ideas or concepts that sort of popped up like, okay, you understand kryptonite, you understand there's a lot of kryptonite, but you don't necessarily have to know like when yellow kryptonite debuted, like it wasn't important, you know, but you, you could read the same issue, you know, and it was a little bit of the, there's things are same, but there's a different, you know, it's that, that is an itch. That's a genuine urge. And, and I think that usually what happens is when people, um, quote unquote, used to age out of it, they just moved on to getting that thrill or that itch satisfied in a completely um, different way, you know, like, because mm-hmm. again, like as someone who really remembers TV in the 70s, 98% of all television was the same thing, the same episode every week, you know, it was just slightly different setting or a slightly different well, I mean, special guest star. You know? But you could like you can not only that, but like you look at something and you're you're just talking about it, like the cozy mystery genre of novels mm-hmm. is massively, uh, massively successful, mm-hmm. but is literally built around and it's in the name being comfortable. Yeah, like providing exactly the same yeah. genre uh, tropes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with tiny, tiny little changes. Yes. In order to provide exactly what the audience expects mm-hmm. with, you know, a minuscule twist. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And and that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg. Although, um, yeah, it's just so. So there is kind of there's kind of that weird zone that has to be navigated. And I just think that there is a very strange way. Uh, that comics seem, it, you know, I think that even if I, if it wasn't for the fact that I've been reading them for 40 plus years, I know that that leads to an extra feeling of ossification. But I, I also think that there's a way in which, de- depending on how old you are or how much you dig into this stuff, like, I do. I, I. I don't think. I think that it's maybe not surprising that people who read that there are more types of comics out now than there used to be. You know that there's more outlets for comics because I. I think that that's. You know, simply put, like I don't. I, I. Despite what everyone says in terms of like, oh, the majority of most people who go into comic book stores just read and purchase the big two it's like i can't help but feel that everyone's sort of supplementing the gruel at least a little bit you know whether that's with an image comic or or manga or something i feel like something related to all this is um i picked up the uh like during the donny kate's comicsology sale i was like eh, i'm feeling flush and the prices were pretty cheap so i Graham, I read Thanos Wins this last week, and I feel in some ways that it's perhaps germane to the conversation or not. Uh, okay, you you have to tell me about it, because I know so many people who are like, it's great! And yet, there is also some people who also say that Cosmic Ghost Rider is a great idea. And so, 
I immediately feel that their opinions are somewhat suspect. You Jeff, know what? Am I being cruel? N- no. I mean, so the thing that I think was interesting for me is, A, you'll be happy to know I got Thanos wins, and because they were having, like, sales on some of the more recent individual issues, I actually... Ghostwriter as well, didn't Of you? course. And I will tell you, Graham, that I am one of those people for whom Cosmic Ghostwriter, particularly when they had the second issue where it's like Cosmic Ghostwriter and a big space shark, I'm like, I kind of have to get this, you know? And um, interestingly enough, that issue was the one that helped because for better or for worse, uh, the two issues of Cosmic Ghostwriter hit the spot for me in a, oh, I get this, that I would have to say Thanos Wins did not. Like, I finished Thanos Wins, and I was like, oh, that's that's kind of remarkably terrible. Like, I don't think it was necessarily, honestly, that bad, but I kind of see why Rich Johnston is... Acting like Donny Cates is the new Mark Miller, because in some ways Donny Cates is kind of the new Mark Miller. Like he's well, he's also doing it because Donny Cates used to work for Bleeding Cool. Ah, okay. Well, that also helps as well. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there's a there is a little bit of it where, well, I guess I should say because because Rich is not alone. There's a lot of people who seem into no, a lot, Cates a lot stuff. of people seem to think yeah. that like Donny Cates is like the guy right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and I, I've never got it. And I've not read a lot by him, but what I have has always just, you know, it doesn't help that one of the things I've read by him is Death of the Inhumans, which is just dire. Right. Well, um, but yeah. he's left me entirely cold. I've not gotten what other people got. Well, so let me tell you with, by the time of the, I, I think midway through the second issue of Cosmic Ghost Rider, I was like, Oh, this is a Kyle Starks comic. And part of it is, is the, the way in which, um, the artist draws their stuff reminds me a lot of Starks. But I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, this really is a little bit like Starks where it's over the top and really absurd, like not taking itself seriously. But also having sort of a lot more, um, like the irreverence also kind of allows it to go a little further than most people would ever think to go. Yeah. And in that regard for Cosmic Ghost Rider, I'm like, oh, this works. Yeah. The Thanos wins part struck me as like just, it, I mean, there, it was dull and tedious and it, it just it's it just struck me as it just didn't strike me as good. It also struck me as just shockingly unoriginal. But maybe I haven't been paying attention enough again to Marvel Comics. Again, there's a little bit of that idea of like you and I and like I don't know readers of a certain age either a kind of remember Peter David's Hulk Maestro story and kind of went like oh that was. You know, like, oh, that was really cool, and and so when it pops up again in a slightly more cosmic form, but with Thanos instead of Hulk, there's a little bit of the, 
if you haven't seen it before, you're like, wow, this is kind of cool, you know, oh my shit. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, the way that Kate specifically sets the story up and he, and it, Thanos wins is, uh, the Marvel universe as, uh, an unscattered toy box, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that is the way that a lot of people are kind of approaching the Marvel universe. I'm thinking a lot, particularly of Exiles, which I always thought was a very good idea generally, but seeing Salad Ahmed take it and very much being like, yeah, here's all my characters from different multiverses that are now teamed up that are fighting other characters. And there's a little bit of the, like, you're freed from the yoke of continuity. And so now I sort of get to pick up all my little cool bits and play with them the way that I like, which is also what I think metal and, and Snyder, uh, Snyder's justice league is doing. Um, and I, I see the, I sort of, I see that appeal as a, as someone who's working on the books, cause you really get to free things up a little bit. You, you basically get to do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. But I was shocked that with a premise such as that Kate's puts forward, it's, oh man. And I, I think people who hadn't really either dealt with that story or, very much like that kind of story we're like oh holy shit you know and i think there's a little bit of again cosmic ghostwriter is that idea of like uh, especially his his identity there's people who are like oh that's awesome and i'm like it's dumb and i mean it really it's interesting to me the way in which the the Kate's writing it honestly is also very it's very um it's kind of it's kind of Jason Aaron without the Jason Aaronness which might work better for some people I guess in some ways you know all of which is to say I I really didn't think that it was great and there's a way in which part of me is like yes and it's a Thanos comic and therefore it should quote unquote be for me but it's not. And Cosmic Ghost Rider is kind of a thing that I wanted to be a little bit different. But at a certain stage, I'm like, oh, this is, again, close enough to Kyle Starks. It's kind of got that that goofy over-the-topness. Again, I say Kyle Starks, but you know when Jason Aaron sort of puts on the the goofy over oh, when, the top well, yeah, when Jason Aaron, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very fun. Like, that was half the reason I liked his Wolverine and X-Men so much. Exactly. Exactly. So I can see a way in which, which that stuff people are responding to, um, for whatever reason. Maybe it's the guys who didn't read, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men or the guys who didn't read, you know, Big Rock Candy Mountain or whatever. It's, it's fine. It just, well, a, you, I was funny. Impre- you, you say that and part of me wonders, is it also that, it's that type of story with those particular characters. Like, is there an audience out there that would never read Big Rock Candy Mountain? Right. But would read Thanos's Big Rock Candy Mountain. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there is it possible that it's it's appealing to the audience who would be Kyle Stark's fans mm-hmm. if only they'd ever read a Kyle Stark's comic? I think there's I think there's a lot to be said for that and I think there's there's a little something to be said for uh probably the part that where I'm kind of like I kind of don't like it 
<laughs> is that is that they're like, oh, but it's also it's also the idea that it's Thanos. Like Kyle Starks being irreverent, uh, an irreverent Kyle Starks over the top comic. I think they have that there there'd be more of the feeling of like oh it's good yeah but there's a little there is a little bit of the cosmic ghost rider being ghost rider up against a big space shark with baby Thanos tied to his front chest is See what what's funny is like you say that and I totally understand how for some people that's uh ridiculous as awesome yes exactly but but to me I literally just hear it and I'm like it seems weirdly desperate. <laughs> like it's, it's it's like you know ridiculous as awesome Mad Libs. Right, right. No, and I I actually thought that Thanos wins had a lot more of that. But again, there's a little bit, which is maybe why I come back to the stuff with with Miller. Is is like M- Miller is like kind of always desperate in his pandering. You know what I mean? And you either I don't know if like overlook it is not the way to you, you you either like ignore it or lean into it or it just never works for you. You know what sure, I mean? Yeah, and yeah. there's there's times where Miller has more going on than just the pandering and it makes it a little bit easier to ignore it. And there's times where it's it just feels so grating because there's so little else there other than his like no get it but he's Batman but he's the Joker kind of thing you know and it's so I, I don't know I, I uh, all of which is to say like I'm getting old Graham clearly and all I can say is last week was actually a pretty good week for comics like I'm like well, sitting there tell me, tell me more bitching well, I, I, because I've been reading lots of stuff I gotta talk about. Right. Yeah, because you're maybe a little too far ahead. Uh, Immortal Hulk number six was g- pretty great. I'm, I'm, I'm totally like I didn't pick it up, and that's my own fault because I, I've been too busy doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, five like blew me away. So I, I completely believe that issue six is going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's yeah. Yeah, so I'll be curious to see when you pick it up. Six was great. Uh, Mr. Miracle issue 11 was great, you know. Uh, I, I'm very happy to hear you say that. I was convinced you wouldn't like it. Um, I will see where issue 12 goes. I can see see it getting... Like, oh, no, there's like definitely the last few pages of issue 11 right. uh, are honestly a point where you're like... This could go south for a lot of people really quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everything up to that, mm-hmm. and again, like, let's not spoil it for people. But everything up to that, which is theoretically like, in many ways, the climax of the series, mm-hmm. um, is amazing. Like, is is it really landed for me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I thought I if nothing else, sort of in the pieces on uh, you know pieces on the board it worked for me and and a lot of that is very much my i i couldn't have made it 11 issues in if i hadn't been willing to accept the series on its own terms so yeah which in many ways is is oddly reminiscent of the my hawkeye complaint mm, mm-hmm. yes yeah i think that's actually a great comparison now now that you make it yeah 
that's that's a good point. So so yeah, there's very much that thing of like, yeah, that was great. After talking about uh you know, Donny Cates and Jason Aaron and the Avengers, uh Avengers issue eight, I ended up I ended up enjoying. I have that weird Really? Yeah, I did. I did. I I don't know why I'm like so shocked. If I know I do know why I'm so shocked. I jumped off the book at six mm-hmm. because I was just like, this is just not for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's not even that I'm not liking it. I'm literally not liking it. If that makes sense. Like there's <laughs> nothing for me to, to grasp onto. Yeah. I'm like, that is definitely a comic book that has superheroes in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, what I, what's that? What is so great about issue eight? I'm not sure that eight is well, I say it's great because honestly, like looking at it again, I'm like, oh yeah, this is one where it might actually just go in the toilet. Cause the last three pages was, I was like, oh no, this is not a good idea. But issue eight is here they are. They're setting up the status quo. Like there's a little shakeout for me. And a, a lot of it really has to do with like, I, I feel like Aaron is able to write the characters as they are in continuity these days without making it kind of a chore to read, I suppose, uh, is, is part of it. So like, there's like a scene between Tony and Carol Danvers where it's like, oh yeah, okay, that, that scene, that scene worked. Like, you know, it was kind of like, I normally don't like either of these characters the way that they've been written by most other writers for the last, mm-hmm. you know, several years and this works fine but for me honestly a lot of it is a little bit of the oh right maybe i'm just desperately like i am fond of an avengers team where a a writer or an artist puts in their favorite hero and it's not because it's the biggest top selling hero so you're like ghostwriters in there awesome yes graham not even a joke. I'm like, oh, I, I was not joking. Yeah, I, I, no. I, I know. I remember how excited you were yep. that he was in the earlier issues. Yes, I'm quite clear that he is there because Jason Aaron just really likes the character. Yeah, he, he really. I think he, ha- he has a soft spot for Ghost Rider. Of course, the whole, um, the whole. I mean, I think there's also the way in which he ties together this idea of the the. The legacy, the, you know, the 1 million BC Avengers, you know, sets up a whole bunch of legacy characters of which Ghost Rider was set up as one, you know. Um, but by the same token, so is Iron Fist, who's not currently on the roster. So, you know, we'll see if that's a thing or not. But I, I, I think that's it. It's like Ghost Rider on the Avengers. And because it's the Ghost Rider that it is, there's a lot of like, He's the new guy, and so yeah, the fact exactly. that you've got... He gets to be like the fun point of view character. Yeah, he's the fun point of view character, and Jason Aaron does a thing that I always love, which is he pulls in and he's like, yep, I'm the new Avenger, and Captain America is like, great, let's start training and instantly start sparring with him. And I'm like, that, that'll that that'll do me. That's a little exactly. That's weird all it itch. Yeah. That, that's yeah. yeah so so that worked for me i thought that was uh really enjoyable um batman issue 55 up until that that 
that last page. Well, I say up until the last page, but honestly, the whole stuff with the what I'm assuming is the KG Beast doing his Go Go 13 bit. I was like, yeah, I see where this is going. I didn't quite see. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, that's just it. Like you see where it's going, except yeah. you don't. Because yes. it goes to that particular place. Yeah. And that particular place is so out of nowhere. Well, and which is funny because it's out of nowhere. But didn't you also kind of have that sort of after the fact be like, oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course. Right. But at the same time, like, it's not like there's uh, – it's not Chekhov's gun. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. at no point earlier in the comic are they like, and Dick has always been scared of being shot in the head. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's just, uh, you know, I don't remember if it came out last week or the week before. This is where things get blurry, but I didn't read the issue two of The Seeds until this week. And I'm, I like, I, I don't, I have this feeling with Anne Nocenti's stuff. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, she's consistent, where I'm like, did I miss an issue? Like, there's kind of, she's kind of <laughs> goes from point she's A to... She's consistently weird. yeah. Yeah, she is. She's consistently weird, and she's going to make narrative leaps that will make your head spin. Um, but again, Jesus Christ, with David Aja's art, like, ugh. Was, You'll forgive anything. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so that that was all a big, uh, happy chunk of stuff uh, for me. I feel like there was a couple of manga things that I read. Oh, right. I started reading, like, I got about halfway through volume one of... Where is it? Oh, it's probably in my in-progress. One second here. Uh, you motherfuckers. Alright, give me a second. Sorry. Uh, Language. Yeah, I'm sorry, everyone. Oh, where is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Seto Utsumi uh, by... Kazuya uh, Konomoto. It's it is a manga that is literally about two students who sit on some steps overlooking the river in the twenty minutes between school and their next whatever they have to do, and it's kind of it's just a it's just sort of a low-key... I don't even want to say it's Slice of Life, because it's, you know, two or three issues in, it, uh, two or three installments in. It's clearly kind of a, a gag manga, but of yeah. the... but of a very sort of gentle type of observational humor that <clears throat> I'm totally down with. Uh, <laughs> so... I enjoyed that. I know that there was something else that I was like, oh, this is great. You will be amused to know that um, I bought the Kill Raven Masterworks uh, this week when it came out in digital format, even though every single issue went up on Marvel Unlimited. On Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. I noticed that all of them went up on Marvel Unlimited, and I was like, I am almost tempted to read this, and then I remembered that I have fake nostalgia for Killer Raven. Right. Uh, because I'm fairly sure, like, I read, like, maybe one story in a Marvel UK reprint. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I recognize the character. <laughs> That's so funny. Because, honestly, you probably read it with um, apes 
you know? No, 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 it wasn't one of the eighth ones. It wasn't one of the eight killer no. issues? Okay. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, I, cause I want to say it was in Star Wars or something. Maybe, maybe future tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I have no like actual memory of the character. Yeah. But I have this weird thing. Every single time I see him, I'm like, oh, kill Raven. And then right. I'm like, I don't think I've ever read a kill Raven. Comic. Yeah. And it, and to be fair, it wouldn't be your thing. I mean, the first two issues that I'm, I've read are, there were only three issues before Don McGregor comes in. And I think Pete Craig Russell is Don, either. Don McGregor's it. Yeah, and McGregor's the shit out of it, and I'm I'm really looking forward to McGregor McGregorizing it. But I'm fascinated to the extent the first two issues, which are you know very much conceived by Roy Thomas and executed in multiple senses of the term by Jerry Conway, and in the first issue Neil Adams and Howard Chaykin, and then in the second issue Howard Chaykin, uh. Wait, Neil Adams and Howard Chaykin is in like Chaykin inking Howard and Neil Adams? I think I I Because that would be wacky. It would be wacky, but no. This is very much Chaykin in I I didn't know if he is or was an assistant uh to Adams real early on, but he's being in these two issues very his fidelity to Adams. I don't think it it doesn't get presented. It's not it's not an inking thing. Although I could be wrong, uh, it feels actually more like Adams is is lightly penciling the main stuff, and then it's almost as if Chaykin's filling in the shit on the periphery, like mm-hmm. as as sort of like backgrounds and side artist or whatever. Because the close up shit looks very much like Neil Adams, although. Neil Adams on one of his like I really don't give a crap days uh and then the periphery is very much taken but it's it is it is it's amazing the second issue which is drawn by Chaykin like he draws shit that is like literally unbelievable there's anatomical gaffes there that would make you weep it's Great. He fucks up Kill Raven like turning and picking up something off a table that is astounding. To say nothing of the fact that for the first couple of issues, like, Kill Raven, to put it politely, is dressed like a male stripper for the first several issues. He magic mics it so amazingly for the first couple of issues. But I also have to say, because uh, Marvel, uh, DC, has finally started publishing uh digitally those the last remaining issues of Commandy. I hope. I knock on wood. Like for a long time people I it's been years since I've said this, but like if you end up with like Commandy, what's great about it? DC released the the first twenty seven issues digitally for 99 cents a pop and man when those sons of bitches like on a two-for-one sale like when they've got their bogo sales like it's ridiculous because it to me it's like kirby and it's commandy anyway their sales (laughs) were so bad they were just like fuck this so they never completed it and then all of a sudden out of the blue they just started putting up an issue a week again i hope because they've only been doing it the last two weeks and spoilers, they're a dollar ninety nine. Uh, 
but I have that moment of like, cause, cause the first issue of Kill Raven is very much like, you know, it's him and his freemen running around like the destroyed boroughs of New York. Like, you know, he grows up in the human shelter of like Queens and then, you know, in true fashion of someone like Queens, he completely disses and, kills you know the traitors of brooklyn but there's a point where he's like splashing by in a boat and there's the fucking statue of liberty head sticking out of the water and i'm like kill raven is kind of roy thomas's like version of commandy like there's a little bit of the oh yeah we can do a it's the post-apocalypse and uh we've got like a young, long-haired guy who's dressed like a stripper who's going to be dealing with crazy stuff. You know, we'll just rip off War of the Worlds, which is in the public domain, instead of Planet of the Apes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the... You're actually weirdly selling me on Kill Raven. Oh, yeah, don't fall don't fall for really? it. Really? I mean, what's great is you can at least... You can at least read the first couple of issues on Marvel Unlimited because... It's Thomas and Conway, and they're sort of like, oh yeah, we're gonna take Kill Raven and, I mean, Commandy, and we're kinda gonna go the, we're gonna go what the Marvel audience likes, which is to say, uh, it's closer to Conan than it is to Commandy, and, yeah. and it's, you know, with a lot of the, the Marvel, like, you know, what have you done? You've killed my only brother sort of thing. You know, so I don't I think I think you would find it twice as intolerable. But I did have that moment. Well, of like, I, I, honestly, it's when I read Skull the Slayer. Oh, yeah, I, I, had, I had this feeling of like, is this what Kill Raven is like? <laughs> like I saw Kill Raven is like, is this Skull the Slayer, but with Martians? Because if it is, I'm not sure I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I wish that I could even go on to, I, I'm looking forward to, re, to revisiting McGregor's, uh, War of the Worlds. Cause I think one of the things that made it work for me, and par- it also helps, of course, it's fucking P. Craig Russell is. Yeah, exactly. It is, it's, it's, it's a super 70s book it's really like a super hippie-ish 70s book so it's people are dying but it i mean it's it's a war is hell book with war of the worlds but it's also told with a bunch of hippies so it's all people sort of like lying around putting flowers in each other's hair and they're like what does love mean old skull love love is a way of seeing you know, and then cut to like, but who is seeing them? And it's some distorted Martian face staring through, you know, staring through a Martian flugelhorn. And, you know, it inevitably has the people walking away, weeping with like ashes in their hands, being like, but now we have all seen too much and we may never unsee it again. You know, and that's, that's like, that is that not everyone's amazing. jam. You know what I that mean? That sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds like something I would literally get through maybe like five pages of and be like, nope. Yeah, absolutely but, not. But absolutely nonetheless, it's not. sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it's, well, I mean, it's that thing. It's, it's, it's like, it's like washing down your Quaalude with a tab. A, it's the 70s, and B, 
it's an acquired taste on top of an acquired taste. But for those of us, be it nostalgia or brain damage from the initial Quaalude washed down with a tab, um, it's 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 kind of you're like there's something to it. There's something to it, Graham. It's got a kick. You gotta admit, it's got a kick. So yeah, I'm 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 looking I'm looking forward to it. Uh, God help me. You know what I I realized just to change the subject very dramatically. Um, <laughs> now I'm excited. <laughs> I I had never seen Smokey and the Bandit before, so that's not what I realized. I knew it the whole time, but. Edie and I, I'm like, okay, Smoking the Bandit is up on Amazon Prime. Burt Reynolds has died. I'm going to watch this thing. And watching it was amazing because for me, like, there's this weird, like, kind of like when you sit down, if you are the type who ends up in the theater watching Barbed Wire starring Pamela Anderson, and you're like, this is a remake of Casablanca? There's a weird point where you're watching Smokey and the Bandit and you're like, this is a remake of Vanishing Point? Like, Smokey Smokey and the Bandit does not really make any sense unless you've seen Vanishing Point. If you watch, I mean, it probably doesn't make any sense then, but like, watching Vanishing Point, I'm like, this is the same movie. It's, it's, except, of course, the ending is very different, but the whole premise in which someone takes on a uh, weirdly like almost on a dare impossible cross country mission that then seems to strangely revitalize like the voices uh, the the lost and diminished voices of the American um, Midwest I guess the American wilderness it's the same thing like Smokey but whereas it's all played in a weird psychedelic pathos way uh, sort of like Kill Raven, you know Vanishing Point does like Smokey and the Bandit is all just like yeah because Burt Reynolds is the best guy ever of course everyone loves him and everyone's got a CB radio and uh, it's 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 deeply strange Graham it's deeply strange to realize they're basically the same movie just made very differently and one was sort of a cult classic that made like two dollars and eighty cents and the other one was a massive was fucking smoking the bandit fucking smoking the bandit and it's it it was amazing to watch i was like man the 70s were such a weird fucked up time you know um but but yeah i was like kind of kind of the same fucking movie i just love that they were like yeah we could do this but what if we made it like totally about fun breeziness and it was all about like you know jackie gleason yelling his various like and let's face it the the stunt driving and smoking the bandit is is awesome there's just not enough of it but i'm like and what kills me is i can't now turn around and watch cannonball run which i which i did see as a kid and is a further sort of dilution of that same idea. You know, it's, I don't know, it's amazing. All I can say is, if you liked Vanishing Point, watch Smokey and the Bandit. It's no guarantee that you will like it, but it is, you will certainly recognize its strange bones in it. And it's, like I said, it's so very weird. It's weird that it it just, the, the, the Smokey and the Bandit really doesn't make any sense. Like, 
because it just keeps there's so many scenes in which everyone's like oh I'm going to help out Bandit like breaker breaker Bandit this is like four eyed kleptomaniac and you want to let you know you've got two smokies and a flim flam near the choking puke and I got to tell you sadly choking puke <laughs> is the only authentic CB term in there no, that I, they loved, use. I loved all of that that was the very greatest thing what nuts if you want Jeff just stuck like this in every episode from now on please leave a comment <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, Smokey and the Bandit was, was a thing. Also, Graham, have you seen, did you see her when it came out? No. Hey, have, uh, yeah. I, I very purposely didn't. Interesting. There's something about that film that looked like it would, you know what it is? Mm-hmm. It looked like Dave Eggers mm-hmm. had remade a Wes Anderson movie, but turned up the tweeometer. Mm. And I was like, no. <laughs> there's there's nothing about this that seems to be uh, attractive to me. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I do think th- I think Spike Jones is genuinely more tr- more talented than Dave Eggers. So no, no, I I agree. I and really, I just I, Dave Eggers, to the best of my knowledge, is not even a filmmaker. But, but I chose him because it had that like, um, yeah, self consciously hip. Mm-hmm. aspect to it mm-hmm. and like everything I saw about her seemed very self-consciously hip well I think they made some some really interesting choices that I think could be argued tie into trying to solve some problems for a science fiction movie but I do think and maybe this does or does not tie into the Dave Eggers end of things the thing that I thought was really funny about her, which is a movie about a man who falls in love with an artificially intelligent operating system, is that the true science fiction conceit of the film, and arguably the the part that I suspect is the more dramatic um, part, wish fulfillment part of the movie, is, is that... Even before the AI pops up on the scene, nobody speaks ironically. Like, there is no irony in the way that any character interacts with any other character. And I think that is the part that seems, A, most science fictional. And also the part where I was like, oh, I wonder if Graham would like this. Probably not. Because I feel like you sort of like your unironic stuff to be made by maybe unironic people, um, and uh, but it was I it was a part where I found myself thinking like oh I wonder I wonder if Graham's seen this and also there's a weird like I feel like the science fiction e concept the part where it ends up being sort of Wes Anderson e and Twee-ish has a lot to do with the trying to imagine a science fiction future where, as this, as it was apparently put, the cinematographer was like, there's no blue. Like, all the science fiction movies were made with such a blue palette that they just wanted to undo that. Um, but yeah, on the other hand, I think it might also be something that you would make it about 19 minutes into and then just kind of turn off if you even 
made it that far. Into. Yeah, that that was that was my feeling about yeah. it. I was like, I, I just don't think this film is for me. Mm. I honestly thought you were going to be like, so what about that Joaquin Phoenix Joker, huh? I I really right. thought that's where you're going. Well, and what's fascinating is is watching Joaquin Phoenix in her. I was like, oh god, it's kind of a relief to watch this guy play a normal person, like. Admittedly, it's a normal person through the filter of this world where, again, no one's really, everyone is, um, uh, how do I put it? Like, it's, it's, it's very recognizably not our world, but I was kind of like, huh, it's a change of pace that I need. The Joker thing, I feel like we should sort of talk about the Joker at least a little bit, but also kind of, I felt like the Captain Marvel trailer. I was going to say, I feel feel like we have to touch on both those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Joker thing really does make me feel like, so far, I'm kind of like, I do not see the fucking point, you know? But maybe that'll, that'll change, you know? I, I don't see the point, and yet there was something about that fucking makeup test video mm-hmm. that I was like, huh. Yeah. And not, not in a bad huh, but like, yeah. uh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, I have no, like, I have no desire to see a, a Joker movie. I have right. no desire to see Todd Phillips make a Joker movie. I have no desire to see Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Mm-hmm. But there was something about A, the visual, mm-hmm. and B, the music. Yeah, the music choice was, was like, super this, smart. This feels like such a uh, um, move away from like the traditional what people expect of the Joker. Yeah. That you have my interest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yes. you know, I don't think either of us are going to be lighting up with the multiplex. For. No, I mean, and that's that is sadly the weird part for me is like we'll we'll see how it goes, but I, I'm kind of it. It gives me the same the same um, danger vibes that Ang Lee's Hulk gave off, which is a. Oh. You know, it's a little bit of the, oh, we're going to make a comic book movie that's going to transcend the comic that's book meaningful. movie. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, no, that's, that's not a good sign already. So, uh, but we'll see. Okay. So to go, to go from that to Captain Marvel, right. which is very much like we're going to make a Marvel comic book movie. Yes. Um, did you like the trailer? I, yeah. I, uh, you, you know, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, listen, let me tell you the thing that I like the most about the trailer that I feel that Marvel trailers don't usually snag is that the footage of Carol Danvers sort of falling and getting up across her different eras of mm-hmm. her. Yeah. A was the I think the first time that I can really think of where the where a Marvel trailer talked a suggested that there was going to be an an emotional story I guess an emotional thematic core was in place already yeah exactly yeah there's a character in there yeah and that was the part that I liked I liked that I also thought that that her falling and smashing into the blockbuster video is a really elegant, perfect shorthand for, oh, this is a period piece. Like, I, I thought that that was very clever. Um, 
everything else, I'm kind of like, eh, we'll see. Right? Yeah. It was such a weird, like, non-trailer. Yeah, well, I that's sort of, how do I put it? I feel like it kind of makes sense. On the one hand, I feel like Marvel had to do a pivot in a way. Like, it's like, again, because it's sort of focusing on 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 Carol and that idea of Carol as uh you know that that whole like what makes her and then it's a hero kind of thing is is a i think that they're kind of like hey we're doing a movie that's a movie you know and consequently i assume that's why they downplayed everything else like the whole scroll thing was so subliminal and of course for people who don't know like that weird like her punching the old lady is just oh my god you you saw the guardian story yes and i was just like oh come on you know like it was amazing again for people who don't know what we're talking about there's a scene in the captain marvel trailer where brie larson just outright like fucking punches an old lady in a bus but Every single person, even people who don't understand Skrulls, will clearly understand that there's something more to it, and it's not your latest Marvel superhero punching an old woman. Mm -hmm. Apart from if you're Zoe Williams from The Guardian, who actually wrote an op-ed piece about how this was generational feminist violence. Yeah, which again, I just, I, I don't, I don't, like, it really is the, either that person was, like... Because it is. It's either trolling for the hits to taking it to a new level or it's like a weird, like, I don't know. Is That was, that really was, I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, but in a way I can also see because there was shit that was happening there that was just so, uh, it was so fast. So they kind of sort of put it, put it on, here's a story, here's a setting, and here is... Uh, you know, here's Samuel L. Jackson looking de-aged, which I was fine with, and here's Clark Gregson, which I just was like, oh, that is awful. I mean, apart from... I honestly didn't recognize him. him. Yeah. I did not recognize him. But yeah. everyone's like, I'm so glad that Coulson's back in the movies. And I was like, he was? Yeah, right. Exactly. And then I had the moment of like, oh, is that the guy I didn't recognize that they spent a ridiculously long time on in the trailer? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so... So I don't know. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, you know, as you know, uh, Marvel has a three trailer strategy. And I thought that this particular trailer, um, I think, probably falls in line with the other first Marvel trailers, which is kind of like, this is what we want to grab you. And what I thought was interesting was is that they were very smart to do... uh, what we want to grab you is Brie Larson as a superhero where it's something about her internal conflict. And and I think the rest of it is kind of, I guess it'll come together, you know? Like, but I mean, part of me is sort of, I had that weird thing of, it's funny because I, I'm shocked by how much of it was... Uh, and I saw you mentioning this on Twitter, and I really feel that it should be emphasized. Like, 
even in a trailer that I found kind of underwhelming and really didn't seem to play out a lot, what it did seem to play out was like, man, they owe Kelly Sue DeConnick a lot. Like it's that... really genuinely like it's it's it, Kelly Sue like without that Kelly Sue that movie wouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like the most um direct creator lift from a Marvel movie yet. Mm-hmm. Like the only one I think is 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 maybe applicable is um Brubaker and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, but yeah. like that's that's it. it it's it's. You just see the, the the connection. You're like, sure, okay, right. That's that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it's Kelly's movie. Well, one of the things I found fascinating is as someone I myself have not read Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel, but when I was picking up various uh, digital masterworks that were cheap, I, I think you might remember, I read the Ms. Marvel masterworks, and the mm-hmm. second volume of that has a very long intro forward by Kelly Sue where she talks about the issues because she read them and how much she pulled from what Claremont was doing to figure out the backbone of who Carol was and what Carol's struggle was and what I think is amazing is is that what she talks about I saw in that trailer and it's like okay like it has a I mean, and, and there's a there, part of me is like, well, that's, you know, th- I think that's a good sign of how strong the bones are for what Kelly Sue created, that there's just like, okay, this works. Don't, it's not broken. Don't fix it. This is exactly everything that we need. But I'm also fascinated. That I, I, I really do have this idea of like, yeah, I, who knows? I could be wrong. Everything about it makes me think like, this is a probably going to be big and big in such a way that it's really not going to reflect particularly well on either the comic book industry or Marvel or both, you know, because you know what I mean? Like there's just something. No, I, about I don't. That and I, I, I really want you to unpick that. Like what, in what way? Uh, well, I feel that Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel was a word of mouth phenomenon that was almost that felt almost single handedly like um, inspired and and kind of motivated by Kelly Sue. Like yes, I, and by the fans, was yes. Marvel felt entirely absent from the Captain Marvel fandom yeah you know yeah so so at every stage of that you had a thing where it's like here's a creator she you know she forwards the money to get the design made she does the research and and takes a character and comes up with a cohesive take on it and and not just a cohesive take but a cohesive take that female readers in the marketplace is is embraced yes embraces and it still barely moves the needle because the marketplace marvel and the marketplace kind of couldn't give a shit about it 
You know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of Marvel's like, sure, as long as it's selling, if it's going to sell, yeah, sure. And once everyone's talking, you know, the fans are talking like Carol's a major character, they're like, yeah, sure, she's a major character. We'll have her kill Tony Stark and, you know, basically be the face of fascism in our big crossover. Sure, that's what people want. Like, there's such a level of... Like, here is someone who actually did the work and took these little sparks and turned it into a flame and turned that flame into kind of a medium-sized campfire. And then, more or less, no one brought more wood to that fire. No one... Well, it's it's really interesting when you see what happened to Captain Marvel after Kelly Sue left. Mm Mm-hmm. That basically they were like, okay, we we totally know what we're doing now, and they brought on oh, it was a uh, what were they from? It was two women who who had written the uh, agent uh, mm-hmm. Carter, mm-hmm. who wrote Agent Carter, and they proceeded to basically not know what to do with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Margaret Stoll is doing something interesting with it now. Mm-hmm. But part of what she's doing feels very much like she's been snuck a copy of the movie script. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because a, a lot of of the Life of Captain Marvel series that she's doing mm-hmm. um, is like a retcon of the origin. Like a significant retcon mm. of the character's past. Mm. Uh, like dramatically. Like, oh, uh, Carol's mother is Cree. Oh Jesus! Well, I mean, I, I and again, people should take all everything I'm saying anyway with a grain of salt. Like I said, I haven't read like apart from that very extensive piece of stuff. Um, I haven't. Well, but here's here's the thing: like, I don't think Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel is amazing. We'll see, and that's the part that I'm, I was going to say. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not the audience, right? And. Even if, like, even if I thought it was a steaming pile of shit, there's no denying that, like, it it struck a card with the audience in a way that, like, nothing else had for Marvel before yep. that. Yep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I and and so to me, there's just a lot of like, rather than view it as the relatively unique thing that it was, or maybe that's the problem. They just sort of viewed it as kind of a fluke, and it was like, okay. You know, maybe they were looking at it in the most benevolent way, which is like, well, if it's if it's not broke, you know. But it just, to me, it sort of felt like this is something that didn't necessarily work in the marketplace the way that the marketplace exists now. And everyone just kind of shrugged and went, well, what are you going to do? You know, and and that is seeing how much of that seems to be, as far as I can tell, you know, a major movie studio, one that is like almost shockingly uh, failure free looking at that stuff and all going like, yeah, this is good. This is this is exactly what we need for the audience that we want to get. And that audience is big enough to to care about is um I, it, you know there's a there's a little bit of it where I'm like I said it just feels like there's it's a it's a, it's just sort of slightly 
don't know, frustrating and embarrassing, I guess. Does, uh, how do you feel comparing that to the success of Black Panther? Well, I, I think, I, I mean, I think that that's, I guess that's the flip side of it is, is I say all this stuff about Marvel Studios, but I don't think that Marvel Studios, A, really, depending on who you believe, Black Panther and Captain Marvel were either kind of like, yeah, 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 diversity, you know, kind of afterthoughts after being bugged about it for a while, or they were things that Marvel really couldn't put into place as long as uh, Ike Perlmutter was uh, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe deciding, you know, was a decider. That once you got Kevin Feige away from that and cut that out, we started seeing stuff that seems more progressive and more tantalizing. Like, I honestly, part of me is like, yeah, after Black Panther, I've got a lot more confidence in Captain Marvel than I probably would otherwise, apart from, again, that for a trailer that you would think would play super heavy on the cool visuals stuck really strongly to the idea of like yeah we've we've got a story about a particular person a particular woman's story at the core of this yeah but also like as you said it's the first trailer yeah like the second trailers are normally where they go big with with visuals yeah think about how guardians of the galaxy was trailed yeah that's true that's true yeah so so yeah in part because the special effects are probably not finished yet. Well, yeah. I mean, in a way, some of the special effects that they had, I was like, oh, that looks okay. Like, I don't know. I mean, that part looks of like me, a thing. Yeah, it looks like a thing. Like, there's some parts where it's like Nick Fury is like, yeah, you know, spies and car chase and superpowers. I just, I was getting bored and thought I was out. Now I'm back in. And I'm like, I gotta say, like... You've got one boring ass car chase. You've got one boring ass little spy bit. Like you know, whatever. It it. We'll see how it goes. You know, we'll we'll see. But I did find it a. I I watched. I did watch the trailer. And B. I have to say, uh, unsurprisingly, um, people people on social media responded to it. So you know. Yeah. You know, I in that sense, I'm like, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth talking about. It's weird that we're going to have a Shazam movie and a Captain Marvel movie in a month of each other. Yeah, yeah, they're literally coming out in a month of each other. Yeah, it, that's it, so weird. Yeah, it's really really strange to me. Like that's ah, ooh. I feel like was there some other DC movie news or something apart from the Joker or not? Did I just overlook um, something? There's not. It's not DC movie news, but um, they announced the director. Well, they didn't announce. Uh, it was reported that um, Eternals has a director. Oh right, right. That was kind of interesting. Which is which? Um, Chloe Zhao. Yeah, yeah. Who did the writer? Which I've not seen, but apparently, like, if nothing else. That it is a woman director of Marvel mm-hmm. is is noteworthy. Yes, that I... it's a woman of color is noteworthy. Yeah, um, I got into a like momentary Twitter spot with someone yesterday because they were like Eternals. Ugh, who cares about the Eternals? And I was like, I think this could be a big deal because it's a superhero movie that isn't a superhero movie. Yeah, like it can play with the tropes without having to be a thing, and it could open. I think it could open Marvel up. I think so too. And 
And the person was like, no, nobody cares about, like, it never worked in comics. How could it be a big deal in movies? And I was just like, oof. You know what? I personally think that the Eternals could be huge, and I think if they're and, and it seems like they're leaning into it. If they make the Eternals a more racially diverse group than than Kirby's originals, I think it could be. Yeah. I think it could be. I think a. I could think it it'd be huge, and b. Sort of in the same way that Shazam and Captain Marvel coming out within a few months of each other, I think it would be unbelievably mortifying if it comes out like within two months of like DC's New Gods movie. You know. Right. Yeah. Or worse, it comes out before New Gods. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. and then New Gods come out and everyone's like, New Gods is really like Eternals, but you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Graham McMillan, it's been almost two hours, I think. Do you have something in particular? To, was there something no, we didn't I, tackle I, I, or the comics that you I, did, no, I, could talk I about? I many things. The one thing I would say that I cannot talk about, but I'm going to talk about slightly, mm-hmm. is I read Wonder Woman Earth 1 Volume 2 this week. Oh. Uh, the second Morrison Yannick Paquette mm-hmm. uh, graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And I read Volume 1 first. Like, I read the two of them back to back. That seems smart. And I really fucking enjoyed Volume 2. Much oh, more than Volume And also... I had not realized, and I don't know if this is me not paying attention or this is very different from the other books that they've had sequels to. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that it is a serialized story. Hmm. Morrison is clearly doing a trilogy. Hmm. And Volume 2 is quite clearly the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. Hmm. In which big bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And also it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, it ends with such cliffhangers that I was like, you motherfuckers, it really could be two years until the next volume. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that is annoying. Uh, it's very Morrison. It feels like the most Morrison thing I've read in a long time from him. Mm. Like, really leaning into his, like, pop version of pop culture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, where it's like an exaggerated version of something that he's clearly, like, read about on the internet or, like, someone has, has told <laughs> Well, no, so you have the villains of the piece are a Nazi and a pick artist. <laughs> you know, you know which, so you which, but that, honestly, I, which both makes sense. On it. I, I right? get it, yeah. And it works. Mm-hmm. I want to say that very, like, right now. It works. Mm-hmm. It does not, like, when I say it, it sounds infinitely more embarrassing than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um... But it's very much like Morrison writing in his, like, epic comic style, for one mm-hmm. of a better way of putting it. Uh, but it all goes well. Like, it all comes together really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it all seems... It gels much more than the first volume does for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came away being like, I really do want to read volume three pretty soon, thanks very much. Like, two years, fuck you. That's 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 good. It's not, it, that part sounds frustrating, but the, the instant you said it, I said that you'd read part two, I was like, who knew? Because uh, I was digging around in some of the books that I have in storage, and I uh, earlier today, and I actually did flip across um, Wonder Woman, you know, Earth One, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, hmm. exactly, yeah, that was the thing. And I have to say also, Earth. 
like volume one, I feel is better because of volume two. I I believe it. I believe because you're like, oh, he's going somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it cuts down on the things that were like just uh, like uh, problematic to be polite about volume one. Mm-hmm. Like Edda Candy's in there, but she's not half as annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's much smarter about its use of the characters, and it's much more. Uh, it's it's not necessarily more subtle, but it's smarter about its use of like the loving submission. Like nods to Marl, right? You know, right. So it it just it just generally feels like a uh, 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 continuation of and improvement of the first volume. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a relief. I I look forward to looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's out next month or maybe the end of this month. Oh, good, 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 good. I because this is the other thing. I you know never paying attention to release dates. I just remember that that the first Wonder Wonder Woman Earth One got leaked to you guys like something like six months before publication. Yeah, super super or, early, and it's uh, October ninth apparently. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Right around so, the corner. So super soon. Yeah. Super yeah. soon. Yeah. Um. But yeah, better than the first volume, I would say. Hmm. Well, that's. That is that is very good news. But no, that that is that is the only. Actually, that's the truth. The other thing I want to say, and this is something that will sound like I'm nagging you, but really I'm nagging the whatnots who are keeping up with it. Uh, anyone who remembers Judge Judge Trifecta, mm-hmm. the the crossover that it was Al Ewing, Simon Spurrier, Rob Williams, Disraeli, Henry Lint, uh, I, Simon Colby, I think, and Carl Critchlow. Um, starting in 2008 Proc 2100 is a sequel to that, mm. like a direct sequel mm. by uh, Rob Williams and, and Henry Flint. And based on the first two chapters, it's great. Oh, good. It's great. And it is blunt in a way that I, I should say blunt about the strip's politics mm-hmm. in a way that the strip never is. Hmm. Uh, Smiley, who you may or may not remember, is essentially like the, the political puppet master. Yeah. Um, who, who literally lives in the walls of the Halls of Justice. Um, is up to shit and mm-hmm. is confronted by Dredd about it. Because mm-hmm. Dredd's like, we do, we're following the law. And Smiley literally is like, no, we're fascists. Mm-hmm. We're imposing our will on the world. Mm-hmm. That is what we and if you have a problem with that, you should go and tell Hershey, but you never will, because you were a fascist too. Wow. And it's there's you know there's just something great about that, mm-hmm. where where some actually outright just tells Dread, mm-hmm. like this is what you are, and you think you're a better person, but you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, I'm on board. Yes. <laughs> and that also has like you know, dirty Frank in there. And and it's it, it's it's it really is. It's very much tri- like a follow up to Trifecta, mm. very much built like that, and and feels great. And it's apparently a ten part story, so it's, it's going to be nice and meaty by the time it's done. Wow, that's fab. Okay, thank you for the heads up. And yeah. that's in 2080 or the magazine? It's, it's uh, 2080. Okay, it's it's Rock 2100, which is out this week. Got it. Got it. Okay. And it's also worth picking up because Brink is back. And Brink is like my favorite thing in 2080 for a long time. Hmm. Yes. 
he says. It's like fades off. No, because uh, I'm like, I kind of remember Brink, and I'm also like, I thought your favorite thing was the was the judges Wallace, on the other planet Wallace, thing, which is in the magazine, right? Yeah, Brink's my favorite thing in 2080. Oh, okay. Wallace is my favorite magazine. Also, both are written by Don Abnett, so apparently I'm just a real Don Abnett fan. You're an Abnett fan, yeah. Uh, what yeah. what's I forget? Can you tell me Brink's uh high concept? Uh, it is uh, detective stories set in space on a number of space stations because Earth has had to be abandoned. Right. Uh, it's also the class where it's also about religious cults. Got it. I remember, and this—it's the one where you told me like the end of the first arc and the end of the second arc kind of have a really out of nowhere kind of like what the hell? Yeah, uh, but in both cases you're like, this is much bigger than I thought. Right. Because right. they're they're what the hell and also, like, I this fits in somehow and I don't know how, but in an exciting way, not now. I like a, you know, and suddenly God's a table and you're like what? <laughs> Graham, we have approximately five minutes before you start buzzing. I feel we should either let's, let's do it. Let's yes. do it right now. No. I'm going to tell you what nuts. That we have a an Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod. We have a Tumblr, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastard at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we have a Patreon account because we're rushing through. Jeff's going to talk about Patreon super quickly. I am. Uh, what are What are my big talking points? You guys are all great. You managed to, believe me, keep us on point uh, through all kinds of crazy, amazing shit that is happening in our lives and also in the world. And, uh, man, considering the shit that is happening in those areas, we're, we, we're really super grateful to you. And we're super grateful to the people of Patreon, where a, a super awesome group of people, um, throw us a little bit of their, uh, cosmic coin to, uh, help make all this possible, uh, including the Baxter building, which is a direct result of everyone's support. As someone pointed out on Twitter, it is shocking to think that we are almost at the end of our 416 issue read of the Fantastic Four and that our minds are still uh, more or less intact. I might be speaking too soon because these recent set of issues are... They're not good. It's it's pretty funny, the the sort of strange audio um, schadenfreude that people are like, oh man, I'm really enjoying listening to you guys hate reading (laughs) what you're reading. That really does crack me up that people are like, oh, I'm into it. It was one thing when you were enjoying it, but now it's just all Yeah, now you're not having fun. It's great. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, we also especially have to thank the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. We're especially grateful for their continuing support of this podcast. But really, everyone... You're great, and we are very grateful, and thank you. You are great, and we are grateful, and thank you very much. Um, we are going to be back in indeterminate amount of time, because Jeff and I still actually haven't talked to our scheduling for yeah, so yet. Exactly. Um, 
pay attention to the to the Twitter accounts, pay attention to the, the website, and we will have an answer for that when we are not recording. But until then, until nebulous point in the future, whatnot. Bye.